Good morning, church. Great to be with you as we celebrate this amazing day that God has given to us. What an amazing gift, isn't it? Yeah. So it didn't take too much time, Justin. You're fine. But if we're over, it's his fault. I just wanted to know. I was a little concerned he was going to start talking about the Detroit Lions there when he's a teams that go and expect them to lose. You know, we have zero expect. I'm a Lions fan, uh, but we have zero expectations, and our expectations are met every year. And so <laughs> I want you to know that we're not talking about being there. We want to step into the fullness of God and what he has for us because God has promised and given to us victory. If we accept it and walk in it, it's ours. It's ours for the taking, just like we were talking about. So as we make a statement here regularly, we're not a perfect church or a perfect people. We are here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So church, what we need to understand about that is exactly what we're just looking at. On our own, we've been defeated and broken. We've recognized we can't do it on our own. We recognize that God, the creator of the universe, loves us so much that he provided Jesus as the answer for our screwed up, broken life. And he's it. So when we say we're not a perfect church or perfect people, we're not making excuses for sin in our life or brokenness in our life. Jesus is the answer to that. And he's called us out of that life. So as we walk with him, we're growing up. So as we grow up, some of us are still little kids, but we don't live our lives as little kids in our faith. We need to grow in our faith and become Christ-like and mature. And so as we develop that relationship with God, he develops us and we ought to be projecting Christ more and more in our life as we walk with him. And so be patient with the people around you. Maybe they're just in the nursery and they're just beginning their new journey with Christ. So don't measure yourself against them because that would be ridiculous. This is why we don't look at people to measure our spirituality. We look to Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you got work to do. All right. Let's do it. It's time to do that work. This afternoon at 2.30, we invite you to come back and celebrate Sandy Novit uh, and her life. She is with Jesus today. The re reality of her faith has been made real. You know, she no longer needs faith. Faith is irrelevant to her because her faith has now been realized and she is in the presence of her king. And so today, she does not want us to mourn her passing, though we hurt that she is gone. She wants us to celebrate her life and her new life. And so if you want to join with us here today at 2.30, we will do that. And then again, next Sunday at 3.30, we will also have a celebration of life for Michelle. And so we've had several people that have graduated out of this life in the last few weeks, and we want to celebrate their lives. And in so doing, we want to challenge us to understand that our day is coming and that today is a gift from God and that he's given you this opportunity to know him more, to be what he, he died to make you. And so take advantage of this moment. We never know. Uh, next Sunday morning, we'll be doing baptism as well. So if you need to be baptized, if you desire to be, if you haven't been, if you were baptized wrongly, uh, you know, talk to me. Let's make it happen. And next Sunday night at six o'clock, we're going to have one worship. Uh, so as one church worship, we want to gather together, lifting up Jesus. So a lot going on. God is good. We're going to keep our eyes on him and walk with him. So you know I ask you accountability questions every week. 
The purpose of the accountability questions, now some weeks I don't ask them to you, from you, but spending time in God's Word, spending time alone with God with no agenda. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you giving as, as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Are you sharing your faith with other people? Are you inviting people to worship with you? Are you doing what God's asked you to do and making disciples? So those are all of them. If you've done all of those this week, say yes. yes. Thank you. If you haven't, let's make it happen this week. Not to check the box with God, but to walk with God. This amazing God loves us. And I want to bring a challenge to us this morning that God has laid upon my heart. I want you to know that the Spirit of God is moving, and He is present, and He is real. And I want you to know the reality of your God. You need to know the reality of your God. So, as we look in the book of Acts, which is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and I've probably spent more time in Acts than any of the other books combined, I um, spend my time there because when we step into the book of Acts, we're actually stepping into the fulfillment of the redemption of God's plan for us in this relationship with Him. So in the very beginning, when all things started, see, God created us for a relationship with Himself. Church, first and foremost was the relationship with Him. He gave us jobs to do, Adam and Eve, tend the garden, be there, multiply, have life on earth, but the first and foremost priority of their life was that relationship with God. What happened was they lost the priority of who God was and began to see things from their perspective and made a decision to do their thing instead of God's thing. The relationship was broken and it could not get fixed by anything Adam and Eve did. They sewed the fig leaves together, you know, trying to cover their nakedness, but they couldn't do anything about what happened. It was nothing but a mirage. And so God, when he came to them and said, who told you you were naked? He killed an animal, God himself, and took the skins, and he put it on Adam and Eve. And he did this, church, so that we would understand that sin is a very serious thing, and it costs life. God wasn't like just killing things to kill things. He wanted all of us and them to understand that sin brought death. Therefore, there must be a life given to make right the sin that killed us. And so God took the life of the animal, put the clothing on them, and they wore those clothes as an outer covering of what was broken inside. In that moment, God promised that he was going to make it right. Give us the opportunity to make it right. And so throughout the Old Testament, there is the promise that God is providing the Savior, the Messiah, the One. And as you travel through and you watch all these things, as God's saying, like, I'm calling to my people. You have to be separate from the world. You have to live for me and do the right things and live according to my laws all the way up to this moment in history. Our world where the Spirit of God was moving. And he called the angel and he said, get on down there and talk to that lady Elizabeth, her husband who is serving in the temple. Let him know. He's about to have a boy, and he's going to call him John. Go and tell him that this is not going to be an ordinary child. He's going to be the one 
that proclaims the way. A voice crying out in the wilderness. And it was that John the Baptist who was born as a prophet of God that would speak the word, calling people to repent and understand that there is a life that God's called us to live and prepare the way for Jesus Christ himself. As we read the story of history, as John the Baptist is baptizing people, calling them to repent and turn from their wicked ways, he looks up and there coming down the shoreline is Jesus. And as he sees him over there, He says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There came Jesus, and he baptizes them. And John made this testimony. He said, I was told by the one, God, that the one I see, the Spirit descending like a dove upon, is the one. John declared, When I baptized him, I saw heaven open and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him and a voice from heaven spoke. This is the one. Church, Jesus lived his ministry life. John the Baptist said, I've got a decrease. He's got in. It's all about him. He would tell everybody, it's not about me. It's all about him. I can't even carry his sandals. I'm not worthy of that. There's the one. He sent his own disciples to follow Jesus. Man, humble. Jesus spoke of John and said, there's none greater than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said. Jesus comes and gives his life for us. Dies on the cross. Resurrects on the third day. Jesus said all these things would happen. God's been promising this from the beginning. Church is confused and they're looking for a a king, a redeemer. And God says, "I, I am going to bring the one who will be the redeemer. And Jesus Christ dies, resurrects, talking to his followers. He says to them, there's going to be a day that is coming when the power of God will be released upon you. The Holy Spirit himself will come and fill you with power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. God says, I want you to know. Jesus Christ says, like the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan is coming. I have accomplished this. I've defeated sin and death. Now there's one coming to live inside of you that will give you power, that you can live the life that God has called us to live. That that was absent in all of the Old Testament. Nothing more than religion. He said, now... God's going to come and he's going to fill your heart and you're going to have the ability to live in that relationship that I made you for in the very beginning. See, that was God's redemptive plan all along that we would be able to live in relationship with God. Church, it began to happen on the day of Pentecost as 3,000 are saved, they're baptized. God is moving. Then there's 5,000. God's moving. The church is growing. The influence of the Spirit of God is moving. People are being saved. They're being healed. The demons are fleeing out of people. The Spirit of God is moving in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It's spreading everywhere. People are following Christ. God's anointing is upon the apostles. They've been filled by the Holy Spirit. He redeems this guy named Saul who was going to be a high priest and being taught in all the ways of the Mosaic Judaistic law. He's out there persecuting the church and killing Christians. And he runs into Jesus on the road. And Jesus says, hey dude, you're messing with me. 
and he gives his life to him completely and he says i got a call for you i want you to go out there and spread the good news of the kingdom i want you to preach the good news to the jews and to the gentiles i want you to let the world know. i've called you you're going to speak to kings you're going to do all kinds of stuff dude i got a plan for your life paul was all in church I want you to hear something that's like so important for us as we step into this move of God that's happening in the book of Acts. Jesus promised when the Holy Spirit would come that signs and wonders would follow and that the Spirit of God would move through the apostles, the disciples, and those in the leadership of the church. There would be healings that would take place. Demons would flee. Miracles would take place all because of Jesus. Okay? Not everybody in the church was doing those things. That's not what the Bible says. It says, though, that he would do these things through those specific people that he was allowing that to happen through. The Apostle Paul is being used by God mightily. He is, through him, God is healing people, delivering people from demonic... Do you know what the Word of God says? This is crazy stuff, man. That if someone had, like, a napkin... I think there's some tissues over here. Like, here's what, I mean, it's just like, this is crazy. I mean, I, I admit to you, it's like crazy. It says that if someone had one of these and touched his skin, and they just took it over, and he touched it, he was healed. That's crazy, man. I mean, seriously, that's crazy stuff. And it wasn't because Paul was some mighty man of God. It was because the Spirit of God was working through this man of God. So here's what's happening. As the Spirit of God is moving in this power, the spirit of darkness wants to mess with the spirit of light all the time. The Apostle Paul warned us, and he told us in Scripture, that the, Satan comes as an angel of light to deceive the world, right? So he comes as false Christ. He comes as false God. He comes as a misleading, misguiding, misteaching untruth as truth and so as the spirit of god is moving the enemy wants to confuse and bring in distortion to the truth of god that's what's happening church it's all around us we're going to step right into the book of acts in acts 19 and we're going to step into this this amazing event that took place that is just some crazy stuff a group of jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantations, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. So these were religious guys from the church, just to be clear. Okay? But one time, when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus. I know Paul. Who are you? Yeah, man. That's like an amazing statement right there. A proclamation. Church, that is a proclamation of truth from the enemy. The man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Hey, I want you to know something. You can use Jesus' name 
You can do spiritual stuff, but if you don't have it, it's going to be found out, and you're not going to be okay when it happens. Church, this is not a game. This relationship that God has invited us into has to be real. It has to be real. It's got to be real. You have to know it's real. There are people doing spiritual stuff today. Dear God, don't let it be happening in this room. Where we can sing and worship and sing and say words and lift our hands and we can talk all that talk. Come on, man. See, we know if we know. When people find out I'm a pastor, like, I don't look like a pastor, whatever that's supposed to be, people tell me that. And, and then, like, when they're talking to me, when they find out, they immediately say stuff like, um, I'm a good person and, and I hope I'm going to heaven. And, and I just want, this is what I'm going to respond to them, and I want you to hear the same thing. Like, you don't have to hope you're going to heaven. You can absolutely know you're going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going. You don't have to tell me. The church doesn't have to tell me. God himself already told me I'm going. Okay, so the witness of humanity and people means nothing. And saying words means nothing. It's about a relationship with God. And the other thing that I want to say to that is, you aren't good enough. I'm a good person. No, you're not. You're a sinner, and you're broken. And the reason why Jesus came is because none of us were good enough. God's word declares to us, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Therefore, God's standard is here, and not one of us, even if we could pick the best among humanity, would still not reach that standard of God. None. Therefore, Jesus Christ himself had to come below that line of God's glory and righteousness and became like one of us, took the punishment of sin upon himself that he might take us and lift us from where we cannot do ourselves to God's standard. Church, that's amazing. And friends, I want you to know this does not happen without you knowing. And if you know, you know. But I want you to know something. You know, God knows, the enemy knows. This isn't a hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. And I know that He is our Savior. And everything that we have, church, is hinged upon Jesus Christ. We know. <laughs> our relationship with God is not a game. It is not a spiritual event. It is not some checkbox. Even though we ask accountability questions, it's not so that you can just say, I'm doing God stuff. The reason we ask that is so that you are living a godly life. That you're exposing yourself to God's presence. That you're spending time in His Word. That you actually are listening to what He's saying. That you're learning that the Holy Spirit is talking to you. That He's convicting you. That He's leading you. That He's perfecting you come on church you can own that see a relationship with God is available to us and to all humanity by something that God did and it's his terms it's not done on your terms it's not done on our terms you know we can we can get a whole bunch of people together and vote and call hey if you want to be part of this church all you got to do is do this it doesn't matter 
It doesn't matter. It's not mine in your terms. It's God's terms. And he's established the terms. When he gave his life for us on the cross of Calvary, he said, a life demands a life. Therefore, the terms God has extended to us is he's saying to us, give me your life. I gave you mine. Give me yours. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about the masses. It's not about what the church tells you. It's who God is. And therefore, I want you to understand, church, that it's happening everywhere in the name of Jesus, where people are speaking a different standard, teaching a different standard, doing God's stuff in God's name. I'm not talking about pagan religions. I'm talking about people that are proclaiming Jesus. The Word of God declares this to us, and we see the evidence of it right here in Scripture. I read these verses to you. Church, it's not lip service doesn't matter the language you speak it matters trust me some of you need to change it okay but what i'm talking about is your god language means nothing if it's not in your heart in jesus teaching in in matthew 7 we read these verses to you now let's put it in the context of where we were in matthew 5 6 and 7 is the sermon on the mount it's one of the very first public teachings of jesus it's the longest recorded message that jesus spoke to people So we're in the beginning of his ministry. And remember these words that we shared with you. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Cast out demons in your name. Perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Can we just pause for a second and just reflect about Scripture we just read in Acts chapter 19? Understand this, church. This is after the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus said, this is going to happen, and there will be a day where people will say these words to me. And here we have, just a few years later, maybe 30 years from the moment Jesus preached these words, to Acts chapter 19, the Scripture we just read, and this is what was happening. These seven guys are going out casting demons out in jesus name i don't know if you recognized it when we read it but did you notice it says they were going to different cities casting out demons it was actually happening they were doing that it was happening until until the spirit of darkness challenged their authority church please hear this this is what the spirit in that guy said Jesus I know there's the authority Paul I know he has the authority who are you you're empty Jesus said they're going to do these things and because they do these things they think they have a relationship with me they think they're okay he said I'll, I'll tell them get away I don't know who you are we've never had a relationship Man, we're talking about the difference between lip service, using the name of Jesus. I want you to know, church, there's power and there's authority in the name of Jesus. There is. The difference is when you have the power within or when it's an outside force. I want you to know that is real power and it's there. That does not mean that you own it because it does work. Right? 
And sooner or later, if all it is is lip service, I want you to know there's going to be a moment where you're confronted and it's not going to be pretty. These guys ran out beaten, stripped, and naked. They were exposed for the emptiness within. They were exposed as lip servants. Not lives that have been transformed and filled with the power of the Almighty. Jesus said this to us, church. Please hear me. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. Acts 1.8 To be my witness. You're going to go out there and you're going to know and they're going to know. I am. That's what he's saying, man. Okay, church. So look, as we understand that and we look at it, the point of this message is not to get you to doubt your salvation or doubt your relationship with God. The point of this is that we should know. You should know. You know you're saved. You know that God knows you. I want you to know the spirit of darkness knows who you are. Unless you don't know him. Because you see, with the absence of God, we are nothing. And sin gave the enemy authority over us. You understand? See, we, we gave him what God gave us. The authority and the, the principles of God living. We surrendered. Jesus took them back from him and made them available to us. He invited us. Yeah, man, isn't that awesome? He invited us into this incredible relationship with Him. So I, I want you to know, Jesus is not just a name you use. And the term Christian is not something you should just call yourself. It's something you should be. See, a Christian is a Christ follower. And we're identified because we follow Him. God is real. This relationship that we have with Him is real. And it needs to be real in every area of our life. These seven guys were doing nothing more than using Jesus' name. They had tapped into a power that they did not know for themselves, but they knew existed. Okay. It's scary, man, but it's happening in churches around the world where people have seen there's power, there's realness, there's a, and, and it's just like this outside force that we're just kind of talking about and using. So this is why when I ask if you spent some time with God with no agenda because he, we see God as this all-powerful God that He is. And so we bring our agenda to Him like, okay, you're God, so you can fix all these problems I have, so here's my to-do list and let's get after it. And yet, we don't really spend time with him understanding he is God. He's God, man. Do you not think he knows what's going on in your life? He's God. We disrespect him. I'm not talking about the world. Of course the world disrespects him. I'm talking about the people that talk that they know him. We discredit him. We say things about him like the man upstairs. The guy up there. 
We say, like, no disrespect to those of you in recovery, but we say, you know, my higher power. I want you to know something. Your higher power, the man upstairs, whatever else you want to call him, he's God, and he needs to be respected. Okay? <clears throat> See, when our relationship with God is real, God knows you know, and the people around you know. Spirit of darkness knows. So we can't just use it. The Word of God tells us that when the Spirit was sent to us, there's a promise that was given to us in a few different places in the New Testament. I just selected one for you today. In Romans 8, 16, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. This is what I want you to know, that you need to know. You know your heart's right. You don't have to hope. You don't have to keep asking. You don't have to, like, try and work it out. God did it. And when I come to Him and I genuinely repent and I give my life to Him, He bears witness with my heart that the Spirit of God says, you're mine. So, no church can do that for you, church. No pastor can do it. Nobody else, only God. And you know if God did that for you. Do you know you're a child of God? I'm asking you to respond to that question. Do you know? You know that because God said, you're mine. Isn't that amazing? That's like the craziest thing that the creator of the universe like cared enough to say, you're my boy, you're my girl. So, we know. And we know because he made us know. You understand? You see how this is all God's work? Like, he died, he took our sins, he arose, he promised us life. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could live with him. He came and said, you're mine. Everything that happened here is a work of God. Everything. It's amazing. <laughs> All right. We may be tempted to doubt. So I want to affirm you in your faith and understand that the enemy is always going to try and put doubt in your mind. He's always a lying voice, right? And he's trying to undermine your faith because he doesn't want you to believe. Man, if he can keep you in limbo and kind of questioning and confused and Man, like, God's not the author of confusion. If there's confusion in your life, just set it aside. It doesn't matter right now. Focus on Jesus. Okay? So this doubt that, that tries to come in. I want to go back to John the Baptist for a minute. Just to help all of us for just a moment. Sometimes we get to places in our life and we're like, do I really know what I know? Here's John the Baptist declaring he's the one, sending his disciples to follow him. There's this moment in John's life, it's the end of his life, and he's in prison, and he's going to die, and he knows it, and he sends messengers to Jesus. Do you remember the story? Matthew 11, and he sends them to him, and he says to them, go ask him if he's the one. They come to Jesus, and we're coming from John. He wants to know, are you the one, or are we looking for someone else? You know Jesus didn't answer him? He didn't say, I am, with that amazing God statement. He said, go tell John, the lame walk, the blind see. <laughs> Kingdom of heaven has come. God's amazing, isn't he? Like, you already know, John. Push that doubt aside. You know. Church, I, I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit was not the same 
and that day is what he is with us today. Okay, please understand that. John's doubt was humanly in his flesh, like, man, I know what I know, but do I really know what I know? That temptation comes to every one of us. It's always there. It's always trying to get you to doubt and question what's going on. I've been praying about something specific for our church and, and asking God for affirmation and assurance and showing me what he wants for us. And as I'm praying through that process and asking and, and doing all the stuff you're supposed to do and asking questions and looking and seeking him and fasting and praying and looking. And uh, the other day, I don't even remember what day it was, I came in from outside and I walked into the living room to Kim. I said, it's done. I know. I know. God showed me. I know. Good deal. I'm not telling you on purpose. You'll know eventually what I'm talking about. So, I'm like, I'm, I'm excited. I'm like, that's great. I'm, I'm ready. So what happens the next morning when I get up? Do I really know what I think I know? <laughs> you know, like, wait a minute. Why are all these questions starting to come in with what God already said yes to? Why would there be any doubt? Why would there be? Any, I already know where that's coming from. Because I already know. When the Holy Spirit affirms something within us, it's God, and we know. When you're a child of God, you know. When the enemy comes from with doubt and confusion, and he's trying to bring in other ideas and messing with you and me, we just need to stand our ground for what we know. He is a deceiver and a liar, and he's a defeated foe and he knows it. Do you remember when Jesus was walking down the streets, what the demons would say? You are the Son of God! Are you coming to torment us before our time? They knew who the authority was. They knew who the power was. They knew who God was, and they knew He was right there in front of them. Church, I, I want you to know that because it's so critical for me and you to know that they know. They know. I want you to know. I am, I'm, I'm just praying, God, that everyone in this room, that we would own that faith in the fact of what God has witnessed in our hearts to know and to live what we know. Amen. To live what we know. To live in the power and the authority of God in our lives. That we might be seen as children of God. Church, live it, man. God does amazing stuff. So here's what, you know John 3, 16, 17 and 18, y'all know that. If you ever went to Sunday school or church, you know it. If you watch the football game, you know it. Somebody's going to hold the sign, John 3, 16, all right? So it's the redemptive plan of God. It's God's promise, salvation, deliverance, eternal life, and all that great stuff. Problem is sometimes we stop reading in John 3, 16, 17 and 18, and like we're just like, that's it, and it is it. But there's more I want to read to you. John 3.20 All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. <laughs> like, I'm just going to try and fade into the shadows over here so that you really can't identify me 
God says, when you come into relationship with me, you stand under the spotlight, man. And you come into that light because he is the light. And you want everyone to see who he is. Because you see, they're not looking at you. And they should not see you. They should see Jesus in you. The Apostle Paul, writing to the churches, said, follow me as I follow Christ. He recognized that people are going to see him and follow him because of who he was and what he had. But he wanted them to understand that if you're following me, we're heading to Jesus, and you need to understand that you're following him, not me. Come this way, if you will, but that's where we're going. It's all about Jesus, church. It's always about Jesus. There's lying spirits. This, our country is spiritually hungry. And because of our spiritual hunger and our telling God to leave, which we have done, in every aspect of authority in our country, we've told God, get out. And God will never force himself on anyone, and therefore God has stepped back from this nation. Yes, he he's available. Okay, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. So here's what's going on. This spiritual hunger that we're born with, this drawing for God, this emptiness that needs to be filled with God, this spiritual hunger is rampant in the United States of America because we have thought that material things and life and all the good stuff in life will meet our needs and we find that it doesn't. And therefore, we're searching for answers and so we're looking for something that will satisfy. And therefore, church, if you just do a little bit of a search, you're going to know that the religions that are growing in the United States at exorbitant rates are not Christian. Islam is growing. Buddhism is growing. Mormonism is growing. All kinds of lying, deceiving faiths are growing in the United States. Okay? That deception that is out there, the spirit that talked to us, that, G, that Paul warned us about, that the devil will come as an angel of light to deceive the world, that spiritual calling to fill the need of the brokenness of humanity is trying to draw people into false light. And it's happening. Church, it's happening. It's around you. It's probably people you know, people in your home, people you work with that are searching for spiritual answers in their life and they're looking for things. And the deceiving enemy has power. And he's there to deceive people. And when we're open to deception, we can believe all kinds of crazy stuff. The spirit of truth is here to reveal who God is. And God has called us to be that light in this world of brokenness. And we need to own the power and the authority of Christ and begin to stand up in the light and be seen so that people can see Jesus in our lives. This isn't about being in church. This is about being God's people. When the Holy Spirit moves through God's people, results happen outside of those people. When the Spirit of God is seen for who He is, Lives are impacted. Lives are changed. Power is released. Let me go back into that Acts 19 real quickly, and let's look at that scripture that is challenging to me and you about what we're talking about here. We know Jesus. We know Paul. Who are you? 
Bad stuff happens, and this is what it says. We're just going to continue reading right where we left off. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Church, before I read the rest of it, I just pray right now. God in heaven, let a solemn fear fall over Tucson. Let Jesus Christ be honored. This is what I was talking about, where we kind of like flippantly say things about God and names, and it says a solemn fear. So many people think you, we have like some absolutely stupid ideas that come out of our mouth. I mean, like, we say things about a conversation with God and about what's going to happen when we're with Him. And, and it's like, I want you to know, when I read the Bible, everybody that comes in the presence of God, they all do one thing. They fall on their face. They fall on their face. He's God. The reality of who He is puts you on your face. You don't sit there and say, I got some questions for you. I want to talk to you about some stuff. I don't really agree with this. Look, church, on your face. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When you read the Bible, and men of God of old would see angels, they would try and bow. They'd be like, whoa. And they'd be like, hey, get up. You don't worship me. But they were overwhelmed by the celestial beings because of God's glory. Man, we just like got this crazy idea in our head. It's just like, yeah, you know, me and God got this thing. No, you don't. God has a thing, and it's Jesus, and he loves you. And he gave his life so that you could have a relationship with him, not a thing. He's not like waiting to meet you where you are. He's calling you to who he is. He has already come to where you are. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through Him. That's what God did for us, church. That's who He is. He is an amazing God. And this move of God that happened in this place where it was like false faith and real faith and God moving, a testimony in Acts 19 that Jesus is real and He's the one. That Paul has that. God's moving. Fear breaks out all over. Whoa, this is real. This is what it says. And many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery, spiritual stuff, brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Church, we need to understand something. There are a lot of spiritual experiences out there, but when you come to the one and you know, you don't want nothing to do with that fake stuff. Man, we've been pursuing that garbage and trying to find an answer and doing all this. You know, these people did not care about nothing when they found Jesus. It's like, I don't care if that thing cost me a thousand bucks. Put it in the fire. That was deceiving me. It was not part of me. It's not the truth, and I want nothing to do with it. 
really man we sit there negotiating like really should i give this up like really was it messing with you did it lead you to christ or did it take you from him get rid of it man the turning from the lies to the truth repentance equals change it's turning from no longer a part of now i'm new man it's like come on this isn't like just like ah, it's not a thing it's a relationship it's god who loves us who invited us into this and made it possible for us to have a relationship with him he's not meeting your standards you're gonna have to come to his I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Really? I thought the Bible said you had to be part of a body. As a matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says something directly about that. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as some of them will do, especially as you see that day approaching of Jesus coming. So why do you want to be out there on your own? Oh my goodness, we're just crazy, aren't we? So we're done. Are there things in your spiritual life that are spiritually false? Are there? I mean, I'm like, I'm on my action step. Sorry, you already know I'm not done when I say that. I meant we're at the end. We're at the end. This is the end right here. Are there things in your life that are spiritually false? Get rid of them. Quit playing games. Burn it. Throw it away. It's all Jesus. Anything other than Jesus, get rid of it. Are you looking for spiritual guidance in the wrong places? What in the world, man? You know, yes, quit it. It's him, man. Stop looking for spiritual guidance in the wrong places. It's only Jesus, the Holy Spirit's truth, God's truth, the revelation of his word. Spend time in God's word. Stop asking people. He loves you. Jesus is the only answer. <laughs> if you only know him by name, I want to introduce him to you personally. Man, he wants to be in relationship with you. And, and you don't have to be out there talking about him. You can be right with him and know him. That's what this is all about. It's about knowing him. Now, when I tell you I want to introduce him to you, I already have. It's Jesus. And you need to come to him and say, I need you. I don't want to be out there doing spiritual stuff anymore. I want a relationship with you, God, through Jesus Christ. That's the way I am offering his relationship to you. But it's from him. So embrace him. He loves you. Would you stand, church? If you don't know that Jesus, if you don't know that you know that Jesus, here he is. If you got junk in your life and you've been looking for spiritual answers in the wrong places, man, get rid of it today. If you have it with you, throw it up here on the altar. I'll get out of the way. Don't worry about it. Get it out. Get it out. If it's in your home, go home and get rid of it. Don't give it to someone else. Good grief. Why would you do that to them? <laughs> Burn that stuff. Get it out of your life. Church, it's Jesus only. It's Jesus only. Anything else is a lie. No more lip service. We're all in. No more talking. It's living. We will talk as we live. And God knows. 
you know. Spirit of darkness knows. Let's be real. Doesn't matter what people think. Come on, man. Anybody else want to come to the altar this morning? Spirit of God calling you? Respond, man. It's Him. First, only Him. Thank you. Thank you, God. You're amazing, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Super proud of you guys for walking out. It's like, I'm serious about this. It's real. Yeah. There was this day that I was praying at an altar, like, and, and the Spirit of God just came in such a powerful and real way over me. And I, the only thing I could say out loud is, He's real. And these church people were all around, yeah, of course He is. I'm like, no, but He's real. <laughs> no, He's real. That's all I could say. It was like, He's real, man. No one could tell me any different. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for our brothers and sisters that have come forward right here. You know why they're here. You, Holy Spirit, have called them. Thank you. Thank you first for calling us. Thank you for making us know that we need to be called. <laughs> and Lord, thank you that you're not going to leave us the way we came. <laughs> you are God that changes and transforms. You're a God of power. You are God. And God, we, we glorify you today for the transforming reality of God, the relationship that we can have because of you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Holy Spirit, fill my brothers and sisters that are right here at this altar right now in Jesus' name. Fill them with your power. Let them get up and walk out of here new, made new, real in their walk with you, God, that others might know as they step in the light. It's all about you, God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your power, Lord. Thank you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Yeah. Proud of you guys here. Please, man, don't leave without it. You got it. God bless you.